Hello. Um, starting a little bit late. Sorry about that. Uh, this is uh, WMC Digital College Park, and you are listening to Nervous Child Collection by Jordan Pinkava. Hey, radio listeners. Do you like music? How about business? Come check out the Maryland Music Business Society, Thursdays at 7 in Van Munching Hall. Like us on Facebook at Terp Music for more details. Just to make sure it's Um, hope everyone can hear me. Uh, like I said, this is Jordan Pinkava. Um, this show is Nervous Child Collection. Um, second episode thus far. Um, glad to be here. Glad to be doing this again. Had a lot of fun last time for whoever is listening yet again. Um, yeah, so, um, today, or to give an overview of the show for whoever hasn't heard it yet. Um, basically, every single day this year, I've listened to a new album, and I've learned a lot about music, and I've found some of my favorite albums ever, and I've also like rediscovered and re-listened to some of my favorite albums ever. Um, so throughout the show, uh, I'm going to just highlight different albums each week and listen to a few songs, break down the artist and the album, and talk about my reaction and opinions to it all. Um, so... With this, I, um, you know, I do a new album, one album every single time. Uh, last week I did Gossamer by Passion Pit. That's my favorite album of all time. And this week I'm going to be talking about Viva La Vida or Death and All His Friends by Coldplay. And before anyone has to say anything negative about the fact that I'm doing a Coldplay album, um, because there's a lot of negative things, I guess, that I'll be bringing up, which is kind of sad, but I'll explain further. Um, I, um, know that Coldplay is a very mainstream band and a very popular band. You know, they have some of the most popular music in the world. Everyone can name and recite at least 10 songs by Coldplay, you know, very popular. But I have grown up on Coldplay from my family. And even as I grew up to rediscover new music, um... And just music on my own, I found myself always going back to 2000s Coldplay. Um, and, like, even with some of my friends, like, we just love listening to Coldplay. We'll listen to Coldplay at parties. We'll, it's, it's definitely something. Um, but, yeah, so basically, um, this is maybe controversial to talk about an album that's one so popular but also you will learn today that this album got a lot of bad rap if you didn't already know it so and that's something that I learned too because I had no idea that so many people disliked one of my favorite albums ever but you know whatever so um a lot of my show is talking about the music but also playing the music so I have about uh, let's see, is that six songs that I think I'm going to play? Maybe five. That's about 30 minutes of songs, so it's kind of going to be cut evenly between talking about the album and, the, like, playing the songs. Um, but, yeah, so I'm just going to talk about the band a little bit for whoever doesn't know. So Coldplay is a British rock band formed in London in 1996. The band members all went to UCL and just started making music together. Um, their first album, Parachutes, re was released in 2000. Um, A Rush of Blood to the Head, which is my other favorite Coldplay al album, that was released in 2002 or three. I can't remember. X and Y, I think, was maybe 2006. And then Viva La Vida, 2008, on June 12th. Um, and some important information. Um, producer Brian Eno, I don't know much about him, but he was very popular um at this time maybe he still is i'm not sure uh chris martin is the lead vocalist guitarist and p pianist of coldplay and they released this album under parlophone label 
And just a few other facts. Uh, Viva La Vida earned Coldplay three Grammys and was the best-selling album of the year. And this is Coldplay is one of the world's most best-selling music artists. Sorry. Coldplay is one of the world's best-selling artists ever. So they're a big deal, and everyone knows that. Everyone knows the song Viva La Vida. I'm not playing that today because everyone knows it. I don't need to show you guys that song, even though the song is amazing. Um, and a little bit more for myself. I listened to this album for the first time ever, like all the way through, either 2017 or 2018. So I was like a freshman in high school at the time. Um, and then this year I listened to it in July just as like my re-listen. And that's when I like actually fell in love with it because I had to find myself like really listening to the song Viva La Vida a lot. And then when I finally revisited the album, it just like all made sense for me. I really found myself understanding the music and understanding Coldplay's music a lot better. And prior to Viva La Vida, um, A Rush of Blood to the Head was my favorite album. Now it's kind of up for debates, but that's a later conversation. Um, and yeah, I, like I said, I grew up on Coldplay. Um, like, my family's listening to this. They know that they, like, always played songs like Clocks and The Scientist, Yellow, songs like that. Um, very important to my family. And, like, I almost went to a Coldplay concert in 2012 with some family friends. Um, it's just, like, always been a part of, like, the music that I've grown up on, which is really important. Um, and I'm really happy that I rediscovered it, I guess you could say. Um, and it just means a lot to, like, different groups that I'm a part of. Um, like, I was part of a retreat group, and Viva La Vida was one of the songs that we all, like, used to sing and I have a friend group, I guess you could put them by the names of Ravs. Um, we love listening to Viva La Vida at our parties. So, um, yeah, it's really important to me. So with that, we're going to start with some of the music itself. And we're going to skip the first song, which is called Life in Technicolor. That song is basically, it's just full instrumentals. It's really, it's really pretty, but I don't think it's worth playing and spending our time on that. So we're going to jump to the second track. It's called Cemeteries of London. Amazing way to start the album, at least lyrically. Um, yeah, definitely one of the better songs on this album. And I almost didn't include it, but I thought it would be important to set, set the episode straight. So here goes Cemeteries of London. At night they would go walking till the breaking of the day The morning is for sleeping Through the dark streets they go searching to see God in their own way Save the night time for you Sing it loud, 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 loud,
All right, so that was um, Cemeteries of London. Um, hope everyone liked that song. That's basically how the album starts because Life in Technicolor is an instrumental, like I just said. Um, and just like last episode, I kind of found information about individual songs, so I'll kind of go over those as I go on. So um, Spectrum Culture says Life in Technicolor leads us into a new world that is already different from any Coldplay album. And, yeah, perfect way to put it. No Coldplay album has sounded like this because I'll get into it, but this is Coldplay's experimental album. The, or their first, I guess. Their music changed a lot over the years, as we all know. But um, this was their first really experimental album from what they had originally been doing with, you know, British rock. Um, and then Cemeteries of London is Intense and Erythral. Heart racing, three count, and driving bass line, reverbed vocals, and pulsating guitars, and a perfect transition into Lost, which I didn't play Lost. I think it, like, the transition played for a second when I was turning down the fader, but I'm not going to play Lost because that's also a pretty popular song. Some people might know the um, version from the deluxe version of the album with Jay Z. Um, overall, a pretty, um, you know, popular song. Um, I think it's like the fourth most popular in the album, looking at it. Besides the point, though, um, we are going to skip over Lost, and then we're going to listen to 42. Um, and before I play 42, um, just a little bit about the album itself. So I, I put <laughs> Pitchfork um, said a 6.9 out of 10, and I put derogatory in parentheses next to it because I didn't like that and this is when I saw how much music critics really didn't like this album and that surprised me because like in my head I'm like this is such a great album oh my god like I love this album more than anything I listen to it five times a week you know whatever but they were I wrote down in my notes I was like I don't want to take stuff from Pitchfork because they were really mean but that would be kind of wrong to not show the bad side of it, but I didn't take many notes because I got really upset. Um, they called this album like a troubleshooting. They were upset because Coldplay copies U2 and Radiohead a little bit too much, which I understand it, but influence maybe? I don't know. I don't know. That's an opinion thing, I guess. Um, and I guess it's like who you know better, you know? I, I know Coldplay more than I know U2 or Radiohead, and I think both are really good or all three if you will but I don't know I have a lot of opinions but yeah Pitchfork did not say great things um I took some information from Wikipedia which is never good but bear with me um so Wikipedia wrote about how this was a new direction for Coldplay and it was as if their first three albums were a trilogy and then they finished and then it moves on to Viva La Vida, which is a completely different style from what the quote-unquote trilogy was. Um, and, <coughs> sorry, uh, this album featured less falsetto, which means singing in higher notes than normal. Um, or maybe it was singing in higher notes than normal. I don't know. I don't know special terms. Um, there's a lot of distorted guitar riffs and bluesy undertones. Um, and then just a... Uh, random fact about it um at the time it was the fastest sell selling album in the UK history selling 302,000 copies I think in the first month it was but yeah um another source uh album of the year.org said 72 out of 10 end of the year ranked as number 24 out of all albums that year they kind of ranked it a lot higher than what other um sources were saying um going back to spectrum spectrum culture they make a bad rap on x and y their prior album um but three years later viva la vida comes out and it's perfect and it succeeds in everything it tries to do um best-selling album in 2008 was under the radar of its brilliance because it was so popular you know if you know what that means like it was so popular that people listen to it for the fact that it was popular music they didn't listen to it for the fact that it was good music I guess you could say that was totally worded incorrectly I hope people understand what I'm saying when I say that but with that being said I'm going to move on to um 
42, which comes after Lost. Um, this this is uh, also a song that I really like on this album. So I'm going to bring that. This is 42. Those who are dead are not dead. They're just living in my So, once again, that was 42 by Coldplay. Um, let me see. Okay. Um, yeah, so back to Spectrum Culture, what they're saying about... I Actually, it said that 42 and Lovers in Japan, which is the next song I'm going to play, and it comes next in the album, uh, they mirror each, each other and with, like, intimate piano tunes flavored by a distant gu guitar strumming, which I think is cool. Um Anyways, um, 42, I really, I think something that really draws me into music is when there's, like, 
a big switch or like you know a really significant bridge or something like that in a song that's what will like really interest me in the music and you know you heard it right in 42 it starts really you know low and then turns into that really big I I don't even know how to describe it I don't know musical terms really so I shouldn't even try to describe it but moving on um talking more about you know stuff that I read about the album and whatnot um I did find a few positive reviews and I'm kind of going through those first and then I'll kind of talk about all the bad things that were said about the album but um from albinism uh dot com I guess I don't know um this album shows the band looking forward and reaching for something new while still being Coldplay at the same time, which I think is a good way to describe it. I don't feel like they stray too far in terms of their experimentalism, but it's definitely different than what they had been doing before. So, you know, maintaining their image while also improving and growing, that's always great. Um, their musical language grew as they tried new styles and influences in this experimental album. Uh, lyrics are more external than internal. Uh, subject matter is more universal and thematic. Um, explored different vocal ranges. They made a comment about how 42 is some of Coldplay's best work to date, and it has a huge Beatles influence on the song. I don't know much of the Beatles, so I can't confirm or deny that. Um, then they go on to say that it's arguably the perfect Coldplay album. It is ambitious and not over overblown. Uh, Coldplay and Evolution, Evolution, my bad, and to be known as their best and strongest album made to date. I can agree with all those things, I guess. Um, Like I said, I'm a really big fan of A Rush of Blood to the Head, so it's like kind of stuck between two lovers, if you will. That was a terrible way to put it, but you know what I mean. Um, I do really think that this take on being experimental for Coldplay was absolutely amazing. Um, I really was fond of it um and I'm gonna add in that my dad has texted me like four times asked me to play clocks but I'm sorry but I can't play that because it's not from this album so I'm not going to but maybe in a later time when I um review A Rush of Blood to the Head but thanks for the comment dad um anywho uh Consequence says X and Y was a kind of a flop for Coldplay and then this picked up what Coldplay fans needed and what Coldplay was really good at you know like this is better than X and Y and I think X and Y is still pretty good but I have to say it's definitely not near this tier so that's a great comment um and yeah um so I'm going to move on to Lovers in Japan and this is this might be my favorite song on the album I think it's absolutely beautiful um so here is Lovers in Japan. Um, I hope everyone enjoys this song because I love it.
Um, Lovers in Japan um, that's a longer song and also the next song is going to be kind of long um, it's called Yes it comes right after that song was almost 7 minutes and the next song is 7 minutes so you're going to have to bear with me I'll play that one pretty soon just so I can get you know through with the show and not um, <laughs> miss any time because I'm worried that I'm just going to play over but whatever um, so I um I said before, 42 and Lovers, they mirror each other, intimate piano tune flavored by distant guitar strumming. I, Lovers in Japan is a common favorite. That's a more popular song from the album. I'm sure a lot of people know it. Um, but I feel like that is a song that needs to be heard. That is probably the best song on the album, give or take, give or take. Um, but it always puts me in a good mood when I listen um, yeah. So moving on with more, um, of what was said about the album, um, getting to, um, a negative review that I'm going to talk about. So from Drowned in Sound, they said, nothing they create is good enough. Um, they don't like Chris Martin's voice. think the production from Brian Eno sucks. Um, they hate Brian Eno, to be exact. And, Coldplay has done the same thing a million times already, apparently, in their first three prior albums. So, as you can see, some people really didn't care for what was to be said. Um, and I must—I had to tell myself this, um, and I made a little note to point this out. And not to be biased, not to be biased, but these are music critics. This is literally their job as journalists or whatever to listen to an album and either give it hate or like love it and you know I you really can't blame them for doing it their job it doesn't really surprise me if people write reviews that are really negative because it's media you know it's what they want to hear they want to hear the entertaining stuff about it and if you hear someone talking trash on Coldplay you know people might just like it I didn't like it um but, yeah, so, as you can see, some people really didn't care for the album. Um, but, you know, take your take your own opinion on it. I know British rock, whatever, alternative rock, whatever 
early Coldplay is. I know some people just don't even enjoy that music to begin with. But from a perspective of someone who listens to anything and everything, and from someone who likes that type of music specifically, I see less problems. But once again, this is the point of my show is kind of to talk about my opinion on it and my experience listening to this album and whatnot, while also giving my listeners a introspect into it. So, you know, whatever. Can't do anything about it. Um and there is a few more sources, but instead of talking about those just yet, I'm going to move on to yes, because this, uh, I forget who said it, but they, they said yes is the most experimental song in the album. So we're going to start with this.
right. So transitioning out of uh, yes, that is really one of my favorites. I think the ending is so amazing. And we are running a little bit lower. Or I have like 10 minutes of song left to play, and I might have to cut one out because time is going by pretty fast tonight. So just some comments about yes. Yes is their most experimental song. Um, singing in a lower register over heavy guitar riffs and screeching. Dissonant string flourishes. Um, second part of the song is a hidden track actually called the Chinese Sleep Chant. And it's blissful for three minutes, slightly off-kilter guitar with erythral voices, and a style above their skill level. And that's what, what is their name? Spectrum Culture says. And also, um, my dear Amelie is, um, made a comment, and I think it's worth reading. So, about that song, and I was going to make this comment in general, but she says, The instrumentals are ever so slightly reminiscent of Indian instruments in sadder, long, long, in sadder, longer Bollywood songs, which is so interesting to think about considering that British influence in India and most importantly, vice versa, the post-colonialism era. So, you know, take that how you want it. Um, I never know what Amelie says, so, like, really, take it how you want it. But whatever they just said was smart, and that's why I included it. Um, And so we're going to kind of move fast because I don't think I'm going to... I think I might skip a song that I wanted to play. But next comes Viva La Vida. Um, strong in both melody and ambiance. Uh, visceral depiction of Universal Deer is the essence of why Coldplay's music touches so many people. And their whole entire career is building up to the stadium and making this heart-filling anthem. Which I definitely agree with. Uh, then you move on to Violet Hill, which is heavy like Yes, with a deeper bluesy voice and cries. Um, and then there's two songs left on the album after that, and I think I'm going to try and fit both of those in. Actually, now thinking about it, I kind of don't have enough time. So after that comes Strawberry Swing. We'll see if I play that. I don't think I will have the time. It's beautiful, finger-pricked guitar, nostalgic lyrics, and it's blissful and loopy vibes, if you will. And then last song is Death and All His Friends. Uh, piano and simple guitar solo that turns into this incredible climax, accomplishes everything it needs to do, experimental and trusting themselves. And if you remember last week, if you were there, think about Gossamer, think about, I can't even think about where we belong. Think about how it turns into this amazing orchestrated uh, climax. Yes. So I'm actually going to fit in Strawberry Swing. So Strawberry Swing is up next.
we are moving on a tight schedule. I hate to I hate to talk kind of fast, but just you know, I said what I had to say about the songs. Um, from Medium, uh, I should have said this in the beginning, but the themes of the album is the French Revolution, death of King Louis the Sixteenth. Uh, the album art, if anyone doesn't know what it looks like, it is uh, liberally, Liberty Leading the People painting, if anyone knows that off the top of their head, um, shows life, death, love, and war themes in that painting and in the album. Um, Viva La Vida is King Louis's lost long speech before his death. And the history is too much for me to explain because I'm not good at history, but look it up if you're more curious about it. And then Rolling Stone says the political message is a little bit unclear and vague in the album, which was the main problem for them. And they were kind of trying to say too much and risk, risk pissing people off, um, which is an understandable way to put it. You know, anytime you kind of talk political or even just about like history and different things, war, whatever, you do have the risk of pissing people off. Um and then last source, uh, allmusic.com says this is the most interesting, compelling, or the most interesting and compelling part of this album was the fact that they concisely fit 10 songs into 45 minutes and somewhat included more than what A Rush of Bloods of the Head and X and Y contained. So that's all I have to say now. And finally, we are going to transition into the last song, which is called Death and All His Friends. So here is Death and All His Friends. Got carried away over on the rooftops to skit
that basically concludes the album. Um, and it would have been really great if I did actually start the show with Life in Technicolor because that same little like spritzy sound that you could hear at the end in the that is what the instrumental is that starts the album. So it is a looped album, which I never even thought about that for presenting that to you guys. But nonetheless, um, amazing album. Final thoughts. I know it's mainstream, and I know that Coldplay is kind of the epitome of popular music for old people or whatever. But just because it's popular doesn't mean it's bad. You know, if you're a fan of the Beatles, they are popular music. They made popular music. If you like the Beatles, you can't hate unpopular music then yes um they were experimental they did what they had to do they left on the table left one of the best-selling albums of all time and i have to say never fails to amaze me i listen to this album actually like probably five times a week um probably gonna it's probably my most played album of this year actually to be frank but we are coming up on my last minute, and that means I actually have to shut up now. But I hope everyone liked this album as much as I did. Or maybe you hated it, and that's fine too, because apparently a lot of other people did. And I am coming to, ter- to terms to accept that. Um, you know, I hope I hope it was good, though. That would mean a lot to me. Um, Coldplay, huge, huge deal for me. Um, and this album specifically really defined my year. Definitely, definitely defined my year, actually. So, with that being said, I am Jordan Pinkava. This um, was Nervous Child Collection. Um, Please tune in Mondays from 10 to 11. And this is WNBC Digital College Park Radio. Thank you, and have a good night.